Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us wherever you are this afternoon. And uh, we hope you enjoy the next hour. The Professor Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald going to spend some time with us here in just a couple of moments. Going to talk a little football and, of course, Southern Miss baseball. But first, I want to remind everybody that uh, the best place in Hattiesburg to enjoy barbecue is Dickie's Barbecue. They're located right next to the mall in Hattiesburg. You can enjoy their delicious food seven days a week through the drive through through the take-home. Uh, you can enjoy it in the dining room. And they'll cater any event for you, large or small, family, church, business, whatever. If you've got a catering uh, menu that you need filled, Give the guys at Dickie's a call, and you'll be really surprised at all they offer in the way of catering. All right, it's Wednesday. We go down to the uh, Gulf Coast. That's where our buddy Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Southern Herald resides. And, Patrick, uh, spring football game Saturday. Now, we all have heard a lot about, uh, you know, the increased enthusiasm on the team and all of that. But from perspective of the team itself, the talent on the field, the scheme, uh, the new approach, what do, you, what do you think we learned from uh, the spring of 2021? Well, I think you know most of what we learned was kind of how Will Hall wants to kind of lead the program through practice and just off the field and how he wants to really kind of set a new tone and, and a positive vibe uh, for the program and try to set a higher bar. Uh, you know, on the field, it was kind of hard to say. I mean, it was, you know, the, the offensive system isn't that going to be drastically different than what we saw in the past. Obviously, obviously Will Hall will have his own take. Uh, it won't be what we saw at Tulane. It'll be something more closer to what we had under Matt Kubik or, or Shannon Dawson or, or Buster Faulkner. Uh, you know, you'll see two backs in the backfield, you know, some stuff like that. And they'll get receivers involved in the ground game and stuff like that. Defensively is probably where we'll see the biggest difference. Uh, you know, it's still basically a four-two-five something unusual but I mean I, I think really what we took away from it is just what Will Hall wants to do at Southern Miss and what he wants to build and he's really he wants to engage the community he wants to be somebody that's active he wants to be somebody that everybody looks to as a leader of the program he sets the tone and his staff follows so uh, I, I think it was a positive from all corners when it comes to just a change in the overall direction of the program uh, whether it's just an attitude or approach to everyday in practice. Have we found the quarterback? I, I know he's going to say that there's going to be competition at quarterback, but from everything I heard, uh, it was pretty clear who the quarterback is going to be. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, leaving the spring, it looks pretty clear who's going to be the odds-on favorite uh, in this Trey Low. Uh, but, you know, Ty Keyes is coming in this summer, and he's a talented enough guy that, you know, if he comes in and picks everything up, picks everything up really quickly, he can kind of make a case going into the fall. But it's going to be really difficult as a, as a true freshman uh, he, he played at a high level, but then again, you know, he was playing class two A football. Uh, so there's a fairly big gap uh, between that and what Southern, the competition Southern must be playing every weekend and week out. So 
at this point, it, it's kind of hard not to see uh, Trey Lowe jogging out as the starter for game one. Right. Luke, get in here. Patrick, um, what do you feel best about, like, okay, that was clarified, and we, we understand that. There's no questions about that leaving spring. It can be on the field personnel. It can be, you know, philosophy-wise. You hinted at some of that just a second ago. But what do you have the biggest doubts about that really weren't answered for you or weren't made clear leaving spring practice? Uh, you know, I, there, you know, leaving the spring, you felt like you kind of know knew who was going to be playing at, at different places. There's going to be a transfer to – you got Everett Cunningham is going to come and make an impact on the defensive line. But I think it's one of those situations of leaving the spring. You pretty much know who's going to be out there. And I asked Trey Lowe kind of that question. He said, yeah, I mean, you know, going into the summer, we know who the dudes are. You know, the offensive line looks like it's coming together. You'll have Coker Wright uh, who will come in. I, I think uh, you have the uh, another transfer coming in from West Virginia. All the offensive line, his name escapes me at the moment. So they're trying to add depth there. And I think they want to add depth on the defensive line. Uh, I, I think maybe the one concern is they left spring pretty banged up. Uh, I, I think the slot's going to be a uh, position that receiver is going to be a bit of a, a question mark. Daquan Bailey uh, apparently suffered a pretty uh, a fairly severe injury. Uh, it's going to be you know tough for him to probably play in that season opener. So that's a position you have to figure out. You were kind of you know chalking in him, him in there at the slot. And then you have Hayes Maples, uh, another linebacker, who was, you know, having a really good spring, I think was kind of making strides there, and he suffered an apparent knee injury. So uh, those are two important players through the spring right now who are looking kind of doubtful for the season open. I know Will Hall said uh, he expects them to be ready to go in September, but, you know, you, you want to be in there in the uh, in the fall, going through camp and get ready for the season. Uh, it's going to be – right now it's just kind of tough seeing those guys out there. So you've got to uh, uh, figure out, is it Port Lockett, you know, in the middle linebacker, uh, who's your slot? I think, you know, is, is it Demarcus Robinson? I mean, who is it? So there are questions to be answered. I, I think that was maybe the one concern leaving the spring is you got pretty banged up at some key positions. Yeah, I think Dequan Bailey Brown. I read a couple of uh, days ago on his own Twitter profile. He said it was a, a pretty uh, severe ankle injury that he had had suffered. Yeah. I'm trying to go back and find that tweet, but um, yeah, I mean, he was a guy that that you really expected. Yeah, actually, March 23rd. Brown on his Twitter says, "I broke my ankle today." So uh, not yeah. not what you wanted yeah, to see. Um, yeah. So yeah, day day. Uh, Dequan Bailey Brown saying that day day underscore twenty one twenty two. What? So we we know with Austin Armstrong's scheme, they're going to put pressure. And the question I've been getting from Southern Miss um, uh, fans is. Are we good enough on the outside? Do we have the personnel enough on the outside to be able to hold, you know, one-on-one coverage and 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 play man on the outside to allow some of that extra pressure from what you saw during the spring with a pretty talented Southern Miss receiving core? How did uh, how did the man coverage on the outside look? Uh, I, I mean, whenever I, I went out there every practice, there were some lapses uh, that I saw in man coverage, uh, but I, I think uh, uh, Will Hall was you know upbeat about that kind of coming out. You got Eric Scott. And Natron Brooks, who he both had a lot of good things to say about. Uh, Cam Harrell, he wasn't out there for the uh, final scrimmage on Saturday. So he's, you know, I, I think I haven't heard about him suffering anything serious. Uh, but I mean, there's, it, it, that's kind of still going to be kind of a question mark going into the fall. That's something they've got to uh, show. Uh, you know, can you, you, maybe you can do it in the spring, but can you do it whenever things kind of pick up in the fall? Uh, so that is, that is something that has to be watched closely. 
uh, up front, I think they'll probably have enough guys that can get to the quarterback between uh, Jacquez Turner and, and Dominic Hewan and some other guys. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the one area that everybody's kind of kind of watch closely in the fall. Uh, you saw some reason for hope at the corner positions during the spring, but it's it's far from a, kind of a, a locked up. You know, you, it's not like you feel like you're 100 percent confident in that position going into the summer. And, and got burned at that position some in the last couple of years too. Yeah, the secondary has been pretty inconsistent last year. Um, I know that's something they want to address, and I, I think they have enough guys there. Uh, you have the two Ole Miss transfers come in at the safety spots, uh, and I think they really like those guys out there. So, uh, But they still have something to prove uh, going into the fall. But, yeah, the secondary is maybe the one area that you're kind of just looking and still kind of waiting to see it all, how it all pans out. Luke and I get amused and a little aggravated at the key – at the. Uh, you know, the keyboard warriors out there in Eagle Land that uh, know a lot about coaching. It's amazing how many coaches there are out there. But what message would you have to Southern Miss football fans about expectations, realistic expectations in the coming season, Patrick? Well, I mean, I haven't really kind of broken down the the schedule on who they can beat, you know, who they're going to lose to. But, I mean, it's uh, much like we're seeing in baseball – you know, this season, a lot of teams are going to have a lot of experience back. Uh, you know, and Southern Miss does have some experience back, and they got some guys back that they weren't necessarily expecting. Whenever uh, before Will Hall was hired, they're they're back in the fold like a Turner or a Booth. Uh, but there, there's just going to be so much experience across the board, and really overall depth for Southern Miss does it doesn't look like it's going to be the greatest uh, this season uh, at a variety of positions. It's it's enough to compete certainly, but. You're just going to have a lot of teams out there that are going to maybe be able to kind of uh, deal with the wear and tear of the season more so than Southern Miss. So uh, it all really comes down to how they respond to Coach Will Hall and that staff in the fall and if they can kind of play above their heads and, and play as a unit. I mean, they can, you know, have a winning football season this year. But uh, when you consider, you know, the, the way a lot of other rosters are going to look like this season, uh, it, it's just going to be more of a challenge if you don't have the ideal depth at, at most positions and, and that's lacking on the probably I would say on the offensive line, defensive line. Uh, you'd like to get another, you know, a bigger guy there running back, a receiver. I feel pretty good about that, but it's not like they're just unlimited in what they can do there. And you're and you're not sure if you have really four to five corners that you're going to need uh, every, you know, throughout the course of the season. So uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win eight or nine games. Uh, it's certainly possible, but I I, I would think this is. It's going to be a challenge considering just the, the amount of experience everybody's going to have back there. All right, we're talking to Patrick McGee, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun-Herald on the Eagle Hour. We're going to hold Patrick over, come back on the other side of the break, talk some Southern Miss baseball. Had a conversation just this morning with Pat Hallmark, the coach at San Antonio. We'll talk about that series and get Patrick's take on the baseball program as it stands right now when the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon on the Eagle Hour. We're talking to our buddy Patrick McGee, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun Herald, and uh, the go-to guy when it comes to Southern Miss sports, a guy that covers Southern Miss sports uh, on a weekly and daily basis. And uh, we'd encourage you to 
tune to the Biloxi Sun Herald and uh, get their subscription online if you want to follow all of Patrick's coverage of uh, USM Sports. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart. It's a great place to buy Southern Miss apparel six days a week, Monday through Saturday on Hardy Street. Or you can shop online at campusbookmart.net. However you choose to do your shopping, just be sure you check out their inventory because they've got a fantastic selection of Southern Miss apparel and uh, stuff for your house and your car as well. All right, we're talking to the professor, and uh, you made an interesting comment, I thought, about football and experience. And it's one thing, and you talked to us about this early in the year, how experienced baseball teams were going to be because of what happened last year and the reduced number of kids that uh, left early for the draft. Just this uh, morning, we taped an interview with Pat Hallmark. He'll be on the show tomorrow. And one of the things that he said was that he had a really – senior heavy baseball team and a lot of really experienced hitters that he was leaning on. And that, I think, is exactly what we saw at Louisiana Tech. Uh, So my question, Patrick, is to what is this a disadvantage for Southern Miss in having such a young team here in 2021? Yeah, uh, if you've been playing college baseball long enough, you just kind of build up that, that toughness and that mental approach that, need to kind of, you know, produce on a daily basis. And and Louisiana Tech's really got that in spades. They've really been consistent throughout the season, and you've seen inconsistency out of the Southern Miss lineup. Uh, you know, you saw Gabe Montenegro and uh, Reese Ewing and some other guys start to hit the ball better this past uh, weekend, uh, and that's encouraging. But, uh, you know, if you don't get, you know, you got to get production through throughout the lineup, and Southern just really has had that. Uh, the last three or four guys in lineup, and if uh, you know, it, you know, typically you do rely on your one run through five guys to produce for you. But if you get absolutely nothing out of your six through nine, that's really just going to be tough. And uh, uh, Louisiana Tech is an experienced team; they're a big, strong group, and uh, they hit the ball well, and they uh, certainly pitch well enough, and, and just seem to kind of make a lot of the right decisions. Uh, so you know. Uh, it, Louisiana Tech was the more experienced club. Uh, you know, overall, just had you know better guys at every position on the field. Not every position, but a lot of positions on the field. So, uh, Southern Miss has got the pitching to compete, but uh, they've got to hit the ball a little bit better from here on out. All right, this San Antonio team they're facing this weekend are they on the level of Louisiana Tech? No, I mean uh, Louisiana Tech is kind of in its own. Uh, uh, you know, shoot, you know, against Arkansas, they easily could have taken two out of three from. Arkansas, and we saw what Arkansas did this past season. I think Louisiana Tech's kind of in its own boat at this point. Not saying Southern Miss can't go there and, uh, and rest in and maybe uh, uh, win a few games and get back in the hunt, but uh, uh, UTSA hasn't been as challenged. It isn't, you know, isn't as good as Louisiana Tech. You know, that's really what it comes down to. I don't see anybody else really being as good as Tech. Southern Miss is really the only one in their realm, in my, in my opinion. Uh, and joy, joy, you get to go play them four times at Ruston and then go back for the conference <laughs> tournament as well. <laughs> That's something yeah, to that really look really, forward to. And <laughs> yeah, that really hurt whenever Southern's had their chances on Friday and Sunday. It just didn't pull it off uh, because now you got to go there. And uh, La Tech's going to have a pretty significant advantage taking three out of four. Right. Luke? Yeah, I wasn't so as much stressed out about Louisiana Tech. I made the comment yesterday to to Bob 
Patrick, that uh, you know Southern Miss going back to 2014 when they first started playing Tech. Southern Miss was 15 and four against the Bulldogs, and mm-hmm. I, I think when you look back at that, Eagles probably won a couple games that they shouldn't have won, and uh, you know it's just kind of Tech's turn. So uh, Eagles still 16 and seven, but I, I guess we've seen you know this roster or this lineup has has been pretty much solidified with uh, with Ewing replacing Wilkes out in right field. I guess two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, are we, we kind of seeing, uh, you know, Slade Wilkes obviously uh, was more of a fastball hitter in high school. He struggles with some of the off speed, and he was he's conference USA freshman of the year, and he's having uh, big growing pains early on. And and uh, and then offensively, you know, you, you got to start seeing something either out of out of Johnson or Stanley. Stanley has a a good uh, approach to the plate, but it does see the Eagles are trying to get more quality at bats uh, because they're walking and striking out kind of at the same pace now. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a redoing, uh, putting him in the lineup is, is a little bit of a difference maker in that five hole or wherever they want to put him. Uh, he's, he's making a difference. The catcher's position really has, you know, Stanley hit the ball fairly well last year, but the other guy who's no longer with him, I think he hit right around 100. The combined batting average for selling his catchers over the last season is probably right around like 140. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just not been good. I don't have, you know, any breaks. Blake Johnson hit the ball really well in high school. And, and competed well to play in, in junior college. So I, I'm not sure what the deal is. Uh, you know, maybe there's, you know, it's, you know, sometimes one guy struggles and it kind of, you know, it starts to build up. I don't, you know, I don't have any great explanation on that. But you saw McGillis put in some you know, okay at bats this weekend. And, and Danny Lynch, we all know he's capable of, of producing. Eventually those guys are going to start to hit. And uh, you're starting to see Montenegro swing it. At, at, you know, you know how it goes. Is usually the temperature rises. You see more guys start to hit the baseball. I think we're going to see some guys turn around here pretty quickly in April. When you look at the uh, the pitching staff, um, it's pretty apparent now the go to guys in the bullpen. Obviously Ramsey, but but Ock is really. I mean, as injured as he was last year, he's he's unbelievable this year. He's uh, sitting ninety three, ninety four, can hit ninety five. Tyler Stewart still working some kinks out, but man, it's uh, it's pretty ferocious when a six nine guy's throwing ninety seven. And but you know we've seen these guys. I mean, all these guys right now out of the bullpen: uh, Carroll, Ramsey, Adams, Ock. All those guys have uh, sub three ERAs. Gillantine's at three seventy two. Hall's at three five two. His kind of jumps after this last weekend. But I mean, you got to feel good going into to conference play with some of these teams that are you know midway to lower end. You you think that you will you will win at least three games because of the depth of the bullpen for games three and four. Yeah, and, and for Southern Miss, it's just one of those teams. If you get them in a regional, you know you don't have to host. Just get into a regional. I mean, you've got the pitching to win a regional. Uh, you, you know, Chandler Best even gave him a really good outing against Alabama this past weekend. Uh, so I mean, the arms are there. I mean, and. Tyler Stewart's ERA is 16 plus, but he, that's the most impressive 16 plus in the nation. <laughs> I mean, he comes. He, he, I was, you know, I saw him come in on Friday, and he threw 96, 97, 96, 96, 97, and they were all balls. But I'm like, man, if this guy just kind of, you know, we've seen some good outings out of him. If he consistently can kind of pitch in a little bit, that's kind of an intimidating guy coming out of the bullpen. So, Miss has got the arms, and Gabe Shepard, who is the most talented pitcher overall, has, you know, is has struggled more than anybody. So if they just get Shepard to pitch in a little bit at some point, you get uh, 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 Tyler Stewart to kind of turn it on. I mean, this pitching staff has a chance to be pretty darn special, and we've seen that you know off and on throughout the season. So 
uh, if Southern Miss, you know, just starts to hit a little bit and, and, and win some ball games and get into a regional as, as a two seed or a three seed, uh, they, they've got a chance to win it just based on pitching. Right, and there's there's a lot of baseball left, Patrick. I mean, I see some of these guys on the internet in panic mode, but my heavens, it's uh, right. it's no time to panic right now. No, I mean, you're just coming out the first weekend in the conference slate. I mean, that that was a big series against Louisiana Tech. It hurts you in your chances of uh, you know winning the conference or the division. So uh, it is a setback, but no, I mean, Southern Miss is still going to win a lot of conference USA games. And they should put themselves in a position RPI-wise to uh, to be in the hunt, even if they don't win the division, which they still very well could. But uh, there's no reason to panic right now. Uh, you know, it, there were some reasons to be encouraged coming out of it. They easily could have uh, taken three out of four right. instead of you know uh, losing one. You know, only winning one out of the four games. Uh, so no, there's no reason to worry right now. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. No question about that. We got about a minute, a little over a minute left. Uh, Give us an update if there's anything to report uh, from your guys' hoodats down there in New Orleans. Well, it's, it's kind of quiet. They didn't have a whole lot of money to spend. They they signed a, a defensive end from the Chiefs uh, here recently, and that's somebody who brings in depth. I like Curtis Granderson there at defensive end, so uh, I, I think they can kind of fill in that spot. They uh, lost with a free agent that took off. So uh, the, the Saints, it's a quiet off season, but you know we'll, we'll find out you know what the team's made of going into. The fall, if, if they can have a quarterback between Winston and, uh, and maybe Taysom. Right. Now, now, finish this sentence, Patrick. On opening day, the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints will be? I'm actually, you know, I, I'm leaning more towards Taysom Hill these days. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think uh-huh. I've given you like three different answers on this. Uh-huh. I, I think this, the issues that Taysom Hill had last season are correctable, and uh, I think he's got a chance to be a, you know, a now, I'm not saying he's the guy for five or six years, but he could be the guy for a couple of seasons. What do you say, Luke? Jason uh, Hill, your man? I'm on the Jameis Winston redemption train. That's <laughs> my guy. And when he when, when he won't have to steal crab legs if he wins in New Orleans. We'll just bring him all the ones that he wants for, uh, for sure. But, yeah, I, I get it, Patrick. I get it. I just... Yeah, I'm just. I want to see Jameis do well. I just really do. All right, Patrick. We always appreciate your input, my friend. Have a good weekend. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, the sports editor of the Biloxi Sun Herald. Saw some criticism of Patrick on uh, some Southern Miss websites over the week, and I'd remind you, Patrick is the guy that covers the Golden Eagles. So support Patrick McGee and the Biloxi Sun Herald. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. It's not raining in Hattiesburg, but man, it is storming in downtown Laurel on the brick streets. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Eagle Hour on a Wednesday. Happy to have you along if you're listening to us live or listening to this later on a podcast. Uh, of course, you can always listen at supertalk, uh, hattiesburg.com, supertalklaurel.com, and go back and listen to episodes on demand. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, 
Spotify, and Stitcher. So however you're listening to the Eagle Hour today, or if you're catching up on some episodes, we greatly appreciate uh, your listenership. Uh, also, we are so thankful every day for the third segment sponsor of the Eagle Hour, 4th Street Bar and Grill. You missed out today. Country Fried Steak. Chicken fried chicken. That's the Wendy's, uh, the, the Wednesday slot now. Pork chop Thursday tomorrow. Bob Getty, Catfish Friday uh, coming up in a couple days. Final four coming up next week. And all four of the Golden Eagle baseball games against UTSA this weekend will be at 4th Street Bar and grill. Just a reminder, um, the Eagles will start tomorrow. So they will, because of the Easter weekend, game one against uh, Southern Miss and UTSA tomorrow night at 6 p.m., doubleheader Friday. At 2 p.m., starting at 2 p.m., game three, uh, right after. And then Saturday, because of the Golden Eagle flight change in plans, Scott Berry told us this on Monday, game four on Saturday moved up to 10 a.m. So 6 o'clock tomorrow night, uh, uh, doubleheader on Friday, starting at 2, and then 10 a.m. on Saturday. Last night in Conference USA, just one game, and, man, it was a a doozy. Florida Atlantic defeated Florida Gulf Coast 13 to 11 Al wow. scored seven runs in the in the top of the fourth um, to get that they improve uh, to 15 and, and nine on the season uh, tonight in the conference uh, University of Miami makes a short trip over to Florida International at 6 p.m and just kind of bring you up to speed about where Conference USA is standing wise in the east Florida Atlantic a perfect four and0 they're 14 and nine overall Old Dominion and Charlotte three and one. Uh, Western Kentucky one and three, FIU one and three, and Marshall uh, at the bottom of the East zero oh and four. In the West, Louisiana Tech up top three and one, UTSA three and one, Middle Tennessee two and two, UAB two and two, Southern Miss and Rice at the bottom one and three. Kelly Center joins us on the phone right now. I guess it's not raining out there in, at Canebrake. You guys uh, have atmospheric um, uh, what defenses to keep it from being a bad day out there. No, it actually is raining. And, and to clarify, Luke, I'm glad you said something about Catfish Friday at Fourth Street because I was to- I totally misunderstood. Uh, Catfish Friday for me is I'm I'm normally on my cell phone hitting up uh, college girls claiming I'm a football player. You know. Um, <laughs> I thought maybe that's what we were... You're not supposed to admit that stuff. No, that's uh, Kelly J. Sanner uh, that uh, <laughs> admitted doing that, not Bob Getty or Luke Johnson. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Hey, a little bit about a lot of things, you guys. Corvell Todd, what can you say about the high jumper at Southern Miss? He was named the conference track and field athlete uh, of the week. And this is a guy, you know, you, you hear about a lot of uh, athletes going you know, playing in two sports, particularly like track and field guys playing football, you know, because of their, their prowess at obviously sprinting and things like that. But with his high jump ability, maybe we should get, uh, maybe we should get Jay Ladner to give him a basketball tryout, you know, have mm-hmm. Corvell Todd jump up there and get every single rebound. But man, this guy is winning about every single award that you can get. And he was a winner, what, this past weekend, wasn't he, Luke? Bulldog relays, yeah, and so Southern Miss got first and second. Eric Richards, I think, jumped seven one and a quarter, but Corville Todd was seven feet two inches. That that's what, like that that's uh, who's that's taller than David Robinson. That's taller than uh, some of those you know big centers we used to watch back in the day. I mean, and it's, that's, and remember, it's unbelievable that's not, to think. And yeah, and, and remember that, that's not him extending his hands. That's his body. Right. Going seven feet two inches tall. So imagine if he were to extend his arms, 
how much I mean he'd be way above a basketball. Yeah, you know, like Coach amazing. Stewart was here one day and, and he pointed to a door frame in the studio, which is a tall door frame. Right. And he said it's like standing and jumping your entire body over the door frame. It was ridiculous. I can I can barely walk through the door frame. <laughs> <laughs> if I jump, but I hit my backs out for three days, you know, and I, right. and that's that's going three inches off the ground. <laughs> so good for good for Corvell, man. We need to try to get him uh, on the show if he's not too much of a rock star to talk to us. Yeah. But in in basketball news, uh, two guys now with with former Southern Miss names on their resumes are now coaching basketball in the Florida Junior College League. Of course, Donnie Tindall, who was on the show uh, earlier. You know, this season is now the head coach at Chipola, and a former head coach at Chipola has now been named the, the new head basketball coach at Northwestern Florida. Greg Heyer takes over the men's basketball position for the Northwest Florida Raiders. Heyer was an assistant for a couple of seasons under Larry Eustace at uh, Southern Miss. He later on uh, became an assistant at Wichita State, also at LSU, and again at Southern Miss from 2009 to 2011. He's a native of Dubuque, Iowa, and he coached the Loris College team. You guys know the mascot for Loris College? No, and I think you do. No. The Dewhawks. What's a Dewhawk? Well, it's in Dubuque, Iowa, which is his hometown, so I think D-U, like for Dubuque, the Dewhawks. Oh, I got you. So now Greg Heyer and Donnie Tindall, both former coaches at Southern Miss, are now uh, junior college coaches in the panhandle of Florida. Major League Baseball season gets underway tomorrow, and uh, an accumulative point total of pollsters across the country has the worst teams in the leagues as the Pittsburgh Pirates in the National League and the Baltimore Orioles in the American League. The top team in the National League, according to the pollsters, is uh, the L.A. Dodgers. No surprise there. They're the World Series champions. And no surprise in the American League where the New York Yankees are projected to have the best team. And in the National Football League, the, the owners have voted and have approved on a 17-week regular season now instead of the normal 16 weeks. But they are cutting one of the preseason games, so they'll only have three as opposed to four. But a 17-game regular season, only one team in the NFL voted against the, the uh, schedule expansion, and that was the Chicago Bears. They just said it's, it's already, and I, know, and I know Luke Johnson feels this way, that it's already rugged enough uh, and so physically demanding on these guys to play a 16-week schedule. Now a 17-week schedule. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised, Kelly, it wasn't the Falcons because they didn't want to blow another lead. Ouch. Mm, as, as, mm. as long as we're giving addresses, Bob, that's Luke Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the Bengals come down in this 17-game schedule? I guess it matters to them. It's just another loss, correct? Yeah, well, it's, it's good news for the San Francisco 49ers because that's, that's who got added to the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the Bengals make a big deal out of it because they've been to the Super Bowl twice and were beaten twice by guess who? The San Francisco 49ers. So, um, when was that, Kelly? Back in the 80s, 90s? I just remember Bronco Nagurski was the most valuable player in that game. Yeah, I, the, I remember. They played the Duluth. Well, didn't have a quarterback by the name of Anderson. Am I wrong about that? Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, but he was not their Super Bowl quarterback. Oh, okay. He was their a great quarterback, though. He was a very good he quarterback. He was out of Augustana College in Illinois. And their uh, mascot would be what, Kelly? Augustana the Greyhound. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. 
<laughs> so uh, they, but wow. uh, their <laughs> Super Bowl quarterbacks were Boomer Esiason. Yeah. Uh, let him to, or maybe Kenny Anderson was the first one. Yeah, he was. Kenny Anderson was the first one. Right. And then Boomer Esiason the second one. Right. So, and that was that was decades ago, right, Kelly? Yeah, like I say, they, they played the Duluth Eskimos when it was the last year there. <laughs> it's sad. In the league. It's so sad. It yeah. really it really is a pitiful thing to watch. And we see it year in and year out. He actually bet bet me this year, Luke, that they would win a game and of course he lost the bet. But uh he actually he actually yeah, put up a bet. But you guys can't say that I'm not a fan. bought you your reward too. Right. You know, you got you guys cannot say that I'm not a fan. I stick with my team. Right. Uh, just an update on the weather. It suddenly went from just being cloudy to raining so hard I cannot see the store across the parking lot, Luke. So whatever you're experiencing, it has arrived here now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's raining pretty hard. It was it was last night. There was like a 50% chance of rain. I was going out to, to South Jones to cover West Jones, South Jones for Super Talk Laurel. And it was like, oh, yeah, 50% chance of rain. And then, dude, like the bottom fell out like all over Jones County. We didn't start the game till like 8 o'clock last night. So, yeah, this thanks a lot whoever said 50% because it was like 150%, and that's what we're seeing right now. Right. And you guys, if you, if you haven't had enough basketball, the, the region – 23 uh, junior college basketball tournament begins today at sites across the state. On the men's ledger, Pearl River is the number one seed. This is three years in a row now that Pearl River has been the number one seed. And doing just as well on the women's ledger, Jones is the number one seed. So both of those schools They're are undefeated. The, uh, the Jones women are number one in the country, I believe. Is that uh, right? The Pearl, they are. Yeah, is that the right? Pearl River men, I know, are in the top ten. So Region 23 tournament, because of COVID... All of the schools that wanted to participate in the Region 23 tournament were allowed to. Um, but those, those uh, games start tonight at sites across the, the state of Mississippi. All right, we've got one more segment to go, and that's, uh, let's see, we've got a four-minute break. So four minutes and 45 seconds from now, we will begin the final segment of the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. Final segment today brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. Highway 49, or I'm sorry. All these roads run together in my mind. Highway 98 in Hattiesburg. DBATHattiesburg.com. Uh, D1 and uh, DBAT there for you, your family, your team. Great place to go and get instruction. Cages on days like this to get some BPN. And a 70-yard indoor uh, running field facility at D1 Training next door. DBAT D1, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, 
from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Kelly Sander, on the phone with us. Don't know what's going to happen right now, but Lady Eagle Softball is supposed to host the Lady Bulldogs of Mississippi State today at 6 p.m. In Hattiesburg, Lady Eagles looking for their 19th win of the season, right now 18 and 11. Overall, uh, Lady Bulldogs uh, come in, and that first pitch supposed to be, like I said, at 6. So not sure what's going to happen with that. And uh, just keep track at southernmiss.com. But that will be a, a real good midweek game uh, for sure. Uh, Lady Bulldogs 15-14 and 14 overall. So good luck yeah, to Coach LeVan. Not, not looking good State right tonight. now, fellas. Not looking no, good and, for that. And I want to pipe up and say something about this. There is a movement, in the, and I don't expect, you know, I don't expect you guys necessarily to comment on it, but it is, but it is newsworthy. I think that more and more schools in the NCAA on the women's side of the ledger are talking about dropping the lady moniker for whatever, like, for example, the lady Eagles or the lady whatever. Um, in this day and age of you know equality, inclusion, whatever you want to call it, uh, more and more women's teams are saying they would like to have the the lady name dropped. That it's the if the school mascot is whatever it is, then that's what they are. So they don't want to be, they don't necessarily want to be gender specific when it comes to sports. If that's you know if that's the way you want to word it. So if if the NCAA adopted that rule or left it up to each school, you know it could just be the the Golden Eagle women's basketball team, for example. But they wouldn't be. Is called. that from the women themselves, or is that from people making decisions for the women? The people making the well, of course, the, with people making decisions, you know, for for the administrators and. Um, but wouldn't the word "women" become problematic there, Kelly? I, I don't. And again, I don't. I don't necessarily. I, I'm not a woman. I, I can't. I don't really understand what the problem would be there. But um, but apparently, more and more teams are more and more schools. Let me say that more and more schools are asking the NCAA to consider dropping. The lady moniker on their women's team sports. Mm. So, well, anyway, um, to, to kind of bookend uh, the Lady Eagles until we're told not to say it, taking right. on the Lady Bulldogs today. Destiny Brown leading Conference USA with 23 walks, 18 stolen bases, 29 runs scored. Uh, second baseman Alyssa Davis right now uh, leads the Golden Eagles with a 337 batting average and then. Kaylin Ladner is eight and one, in fifty three innings pitched a minuscule one point three two ERA. Bulldogs lead the series all time fifteen to three. They last met last year. Mississippi State won seven and two. But yeah, not looking good as Bob Getty just said. But uh, no. right now, still on for six p.m. tonight in Hattiesburg. Raining very very heavily here in Hattiesburg right now, guys. Very heavy. Yeah, and it's and it's not supposed to really let up until seven or eight tonight. So right, so. Um, I would. Say that would definitely be, you know, in jeopardy. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to have an interview with uh, Pat Hallmark, who is the coach at uh, Texas San Antonio. But I got a question for you, Kelly. He was uh, he came there in 2019. He was the Southland Conference Coach of the Year in 2019, and uh, coached in Incarnate Word. Do I have that right? Yes, that's right. The well, tell us about that school. Is that a, is that a uh, a Catholic school or what is that? It is out of uh, out of the, uh, the Houston area. Uh-huh. Or excuse me, the, the Houston area. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, um, they are in Cronut Word. That's that's one of the uh, one of the 
youngest schools in in the in the Southland Conference. Abilene Christian is also in the Southland, um, and you know you don't you don't see many schools with religious affiliations that that. Uh, there are certainly more in the NAIA mm-hmm. than in the NCAA, but Incarnate mm-hmm. Word is certainly one in Abilene Christian. It just so happens that both of them are in the in the Southland. You know, other NCAA schools right. like that are, you know, uh, Notre Dame for sure. Right. You know, Loyola Marymount, right. some of the bigger. Well, he won like sixty six games there in two years and uh, left there as the Southland Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, he was a catcher for Wayne Graham at Rice, so this is a really experienced guy. This will, this will be yet another tough. I just think another tough matchup for Southern Miss. It this will, yeah. yeah. And here's a good trivia question for you guys: of all the different positions there are on a baseball field, of of those guys that played certain positions, what position? Uh, turns out to be the best managers as far as wins and losses go. I'm going to say the catcher. Catchers, right? That's correct. Catchers, yeah. What? That's right. Catchers. Bob, little little incarnate word uh, memo to go off. Actually, the new director of football operations, Tad Blaylock, who's originally from Amory, Mississippi, he came to Southern Miss from incarnate word also. Oh, I got you. Okay, well. All right, Pat Hallmark on the show tomorrow. Kelly and I be. Luke's going to have a day off. And then Friday, we're all off for Good Friday. Uh, So we hope you'll join us tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Stay dry if you're outside. Until we talk again, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.